On this week's episode of Ride the Lightning, the Tesla unofficial podcast, Tesla sets another quarterly delivery record as the Q1 numbers come in. Giga Texas holds its Cyber Rodeo grand opening. Tesla patents a new heating and cooling methodology for a car's seats and more. What's happening, friends? I'm Ryan McCaffrey joining you on a Thursday evening instead of the Friday as usual. I have a family trip that I am heading out for on Friday morning. And as such, I apologize. I was not able to be at the Giga Texas Cyber Rodeo event myself to give my usual boots on the ground event impressions for you. Although I was not fortunate enough to get an invitation anyway, so it all kind of worked out, I guess. But I've got clips and analysis coming up from the live stream and Elon's presentation momentarily, but just a quick show note up front. Because I am uh, going away for a little bit, I wanted to tell you that next week's episode, episode 350, is already done. I, I, of course, anytime I I do step out for a little family time, I want to make sure that you have new content to listen to, but at the same time, take some time off with my family. So I'll give you, I'll just ruin the surprise for you now. Just tell you what's coming next week. For episode 350, I have got a lengthy conversation slash interview with a gentleman by the name of Pete Gruber. He's the CEO of Gruber Motors. They are a shop based out of Phoenix, Arizona that specializes in servicing and restoring the original Tesla Roadsters. I had a really great conversation. I had a great time chatting with Pete And I hope you enjoy that conversation on next week's episode. And then big stuff, as soon as I get back, I'm back, you know, live on episode 351 with what will be one of my big quarterly earnings call recap episodes. So I am looking forward to that. Lots of good stuff coming up. But for now, there's good stuff today, right now, from the Cyber Rodeo and the rest of this week's Tesla news. I will start right there, because that really was the biggest thing of the week. The Cyber Rodeo event, aka the grand opening of Giga Texas, which I suppose would have been Giga 4 on the old naming scheme. Uh, naming scheme, You'd have Nevada was 1, Buffalo, New York was 2, you've got, uh, I guess, you know, Shanghai was 3, Germany's 4, okay, Giga 5. Giga 5 is what this one would have been. I'm losing track. But in any case, uh, Austin-made cars were delivered at this event, meaning that, yes, Model Y 2.0s, as I have been calling them for a while now, with their 4680 battery cells, their structural battery packs, and their single-piece front and rear Giga castings are now officially out in the wild. They are a real thing. And what this means, I mean, this is this is actually a big moment because... This means that the next decade of Tesla has officially begun now because that's what I believe these new battery cells represent. It's fitting, too, because we are, in fact, just over two months shy of the 10th anniversary of the first, the very first Model S deliveries from Fremont back in June of 2012. So... Both figuratively and literally, this is this is the start of the next decade for Tesla. And this event, 
Though I wasn't there, I was following along not only on the live stream, but from tweets from a lot of the community members, a lot of friends. It was quite the shindig by all accounts. And, and as I said, Elon Musk did give a presentation, and I've got some clips for you from that. I should preface by saying that Elon rolled up in not just an original Roadster, but the original Roadster, VIN number one, which the last time this car was publicly seen was at the Model Y unveiling event back in Hawthorne at the design studio in March of 2019, so just over th almost exactly three years ago. And not only did Elon roll up in Roadster number one, he rolled up wearing a cowboy hat, of course, and dark sunglasses. So you took one look at him. You knew this was going to be a fun presentation, and it was. Let's dive in with the first clip. How about an update on full self-driving progress? So you, I mean, you can see, you can really get a feel for how much this is going, how much full self-driving is going to transform society. Uh, you'll be able, the car will be able to take you anywhere you want. Um, with uh, ultimately 10 times uh, safer than if you're driving it yourself. And it's, it's gonna just completely revolutionize the world. This is one of those things that comes along very rarely. Um, the Tesla Autopod team and, and AI team has done an incredible job building real world AI. So. So, and we're uh, aiming to go to uh, a wide beta for all full, full self-driving uh, customers in North America this year. Well, there you go. Elon saying that he thinks the city streets full self-driving beta can go out to all paying FSD package customers by the end of the year. That will include, of course, not just people who've paid the lump sum to own it for the duration of the car's life, but also anybody who does the monthly subscription would have access to. So if you just wanna dip your toe in the water when this finally does go out wide, you'll be able to spend $200 to do that on a month to month basis. Now, would I bet on this happening by the end of the year? No, uh, with all due respect, we know all about Elon time now. After all, the version 11 stack merge was supposed to have happened two months ago at this point. Uh, but the thing is, it's only April. I mean, optimistically speaking, it is only April. He's saying by the end of the year, let's see what happens once those FSD city streets and highway autopilot stacks merge up, which again, hopefully will be happening soon. But the progress is there. I've talked about this on previous episodes where I've been lucky enough to, to have a front row seat to it as somebody that's in the beta program now. Uh, and, and I'll tell you this too, with most CEOs, I would immediately write off anybody who said a product was gonna change the world. I would instantly dismiss the comment. But the thing with Elon, as has been made very clear over the years, is that the timelines don't always hold. In fact, they almost never do. But the thing he says he's gonna do, the big grandiose thing, does happen. For whether we're talking about making reusable rockets that go to orbit, or making electric vehicles a real, viable, and desirable thing. So I thus have no reason to believe that FSD will not also join that group. In fact, we're going to talk more about FSD and the uh, vehicle keyword through which that will happen later on in the podcast. Next up, a uh, little lighthearted moment. Just how big is Giga Texas, Elon Musk? <laughs> 
I'm glad you asked that question. Uh, according to our calculations, you could fit 194 billion hamsters in this building. <laughs> I know playing that clip serves no real practical purpose. I just got a kick out of it, and I love that an engineer actually had to run that calculation. Like when they were <laughs> figuring out the volume of the factory, they're like, okay, well, how many hamsters? Well, what's the volume? Uh, you know, what are the dimensions of a hamster? And then they calculated it. But anyway, uh, they talked a bit elsewhere in the presentation. I'm not going to just play you the whole thing, I want to just get you the highlights. But they did talk a bit about how large this facility is. And interestingly, on one of the slides, they showed the layout of the factory from a top-down view. And it's split into, like, you know, general assembly, paint, battery production, etc. Over a quarter of that space has been earmarked for future production, which must certainly be the Cybertruck, of course, but... The weird thing that, that I thought of there is I had thought that Elon and Franz had talked about the Cybertruck requiring less space to build since you don't need a traditional assembly line. You're folding stainless steel into origami, basically, and there's no paint shop needed. There's no traditional assembly line. So perhaps Tesla might build the Tesla bot there and or perhaps Tesla is going to build its robo-taxi car there. Yes, you heard me right, robo-taxi car specifically. Take a listen to this. So, <laughs> what's next? Uh, I'm, not gonna, I'm not gonna spill all the beans right now. <laughs> but what I can say, what I can say is we're going to move to just truly massive scale. Uh, scale that uh, no company has uh, ever achieved in, in, in the history of humanity. Um, and it, and it, we need, that has to happen in order to transition the world to sustainable energy. So massive scale, full self-driving. Uh, there's going to be a dedicated robo-taxi. That's going to look pretty... So. It's going to look, gonna look uh, uh, quite futuristic. Uh, and, and of course, we've got the Tesla robot, Optimus. Uh, this is... Uh, I, think, I, think, I think Optimus will, will obviate what uh, it even means, what an economy even means. So uh, it'll be able to, you know, basically anything that, that uh, humans don't want to do, Optimus will do it. Um, and it's, uh, it's going to be an age of abundance. And so... Uh, it's, I think it's, 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 it's maybe hard to imagine it, but as you, as you see Optimus develop, um, and we're obviously going to make sure it's safe, um, no Terminator stuff or that kind of thing, um, but it's, it's really going to transform the, the world, uh, I think, to a degree even greater than the cars. Um, and, and then we've got, and, and I think, I think we, we have a shot at being in, um, in, in production, uh, for version one of, of Optimus, hopefully next year. Well, it would seem as though the robo-taxi plan has changed, or at least evolved. I'm not saying we won't all get to enter our cars into the Tesla network. Remember, that is the name that's been given to it. But it appears as though Tesla wants to just build and probably more importantly for revenue purposes, own the entire, or at least the bulk of the robo-taxi fleet itself. 
Again, that's that's not to say you will not be able to enter your car into the into the fleet and make money for yourself as originally laid out. But this way, Tesla could largely own and manage the fleet itself and not have to take a partial cut and split revenue with us, with Tesla owners. Now, presumably this thing could have a plussed up version of autopilot in the, in the hardware sense, meaning uh, more cameras maybe, higher resolution cameras. I mean, we, I know we have autopilot version four coming that has been confirmed to have higher resolution cameras. We don't know yet whether it will have more cameras than the current system, but we know they'll be better. We know there'll be a, a better processor than the full self-driving computer that's in there now. Now, this robo-taxi vehicle, I would presume that it's not going to have a steering wheel. Because again, if this can actually be achieved, you know, we're, we're talking about a very tall order here, but there's a whole team of people working hard on this. We can see the progress being made in our cars. If Tesla gets to the finish line on this and has functional, reliable, full self-driving and builds a robo-taxi fleet of vehicles to use, uh, you know, you'd probably have a subscription because our entire lives are subscription-based now. You just carry a subscription to the, uh, to the Tesla network, to the robo-taxi fleet, and use it that way. But uh, I'm going to guess it would have no steering wheel because, again, if we can get that far where it's a driverless fleet, there's no need to even uh, have use the space on a steering wheel, let alone the part. You know, there's just no reason to put it in there. So uh, will it look like something out of Westworld, perhaps, which I which is kind of funny of me to say because I just remembered mentioning Westworld that in that last season, season three, the sort of helicopter drone things that fly people around, the, the driverless drones, you, they use Tesla seats, white Tesla seats from, I think, I don't remember which car it was, whether it was the S or the X or the three or the Y, but if you go back and watch uh, a lot of this, any of the scenes with those, you know, sort of helicoptery transport vehicles in Westworld season three, you will you will see a very familiar looking chair that the characters are all sitting in. But the bigger point that I'm driving at here is Elon just described this robo taxi vehicle as futuristic. So might this thing also be a cyber design, a la the Cybertruck, with folded stainless steel? Now. Saying futuristic doesn't have to inherently and automatically mean it's a stainless steel cyber product like the Cybertruck. However, for a product like that, think about it. It would make a lot of sense because a, making a stainless steel robo-taxi vehicle means it'd be tough. It could take abuse on the streets from passengers and road hazards alike. There'd be no paint to maintain as those road hazards uh, happen and as passengers inevitably put their hands and belt buckles and rings and all kinds of you know scratches and all kinds of things that will happen to them inevitably if there are no drivers to maintain you know to to sort of be <laughs> watching over them like a hawk and really the other part is Tesla would save a ton of money by not painting them because if it's a robo taxi it and it doesn't belong to you who really cares what color it is. Although, side note here, I think the bare stainless steel look is beautiful. And I say that as someone who owned a DeLorean for 12 years 
And I say that to all of you future Cybertruck owners who I'm telling you, you're going to fall in love with your stainless steel vehicle because it has this beautiful sheen to it. It's not like paint where paint is very just reflective of the light. The light sort of glows off of a stainless steel surface. It's a very different uh, property. It's just a, it's a different way that it works. And I, I guarantee you're all going to love it. So why not just have, you know, save a fortune, not to mention environmental difference. Don't paint them. Just make them stainless steel. So we shall see. We shall see. Now, if, as I'm theorizing, they do build uh, this car and it's they do it in Texas, as I was talking about a minute ago, with all that extra space that they've earmarked for future development, it makes sense not only because Fremont is out of space, Elon talked about that again in this Giga Texas presentation, and Texas is centrally located because these things would be distributed, these robo-taxis would get distributed all over the country. And if it is a cybercar, they'll already have all of the materials and production process. I mean, the Cybertruck will have its own line. The robo-taxi would need its own production area. You couldn't, I doubt they'd be all on the same, the same sort of production line as it were, even though it's not going to use a traditional production line. But in any case... Uh, everything that they would need to make cyber vehicles is in that building because that's where they make the Cybertruck. So uh, for me, this may have been the sing single biggest piece of news of for the night for me. Because if this thing is now going to be the next car on Tesla's product roadmap after the Cybertruck, Semi, and Roadster, and I'm going to get to those in just a minute because I know a lot of you are really eager to find out what Elon said about the Cybertruck at this event, so hang tight. But if this thing is the next vehicle on the roadmap after those three that are already in the pipeline, then I think that could mean that the so-called $25,000 car, the colloquially, colloquially, let me try that again, named <laughs> Model 2, that car might never happen. I mean, Elon sounded pretty excited about the robo-taxi in that clip. Like, he wanted to say more. And in the old days, the old Elon probably would have. But as the head of what is now one of the biggest companies on the planet, we've seen this before. We've seen this in recent years. He has learned that he's got to be a lot more careful about what he says. And you'll note, too, he also spoke very enthusiastically about the Tesla bot there as well, a.k.a. Optimus. He didn't sound necessarily super confident about version one of it going into production next year. He really phrased that as more of a maybe a, you know, an if things go well kind of situation. But we'll see. Now, I promised you an update on the Cybertruck, the Roadster and the Semi. So here you go. And uh, in the and it's Cybertruck is coming next year. We'll be in production with Cybertruck next year. Uh, we'll be in production with the Roadster and with Semi. So that's all, all coming. So we've got to, uh, this year is all about scaling up, and then uh, next year there's going to be a massive wave of, of new products. The robo-taxi vehicle may have been the biggest news of this for me, but hearing him say that, what you just heard, that was the personal highlight of the presentation for me. That fired me up. 
Why? Because while we've heard him say this before, the difference is in the way he said it. Did you hear the confidence in his voice? Because when he has previously mentioned 2023 for those three vehicles, it's always been with a lot of wells and maybes and if the chip shortage isn't still raging on, etc. There've always been a lot of caveats with it. This was a very confident, we're scaling up this year and next year is gonna be a tidal wave of new products. And that gets me so fired up. I'm so excited about that now. Uh, just hearing the confidence for 2023. It also suggests that components are all looking good. Chips are all looking good. And the volume of 4680 battery cell production that all three of those vehicles are going to be dependent on is looking good. So my friends, I hope you enjoy this podcast every year, however many years you've been listening. But next year, next year, man, is going to be such an incredibly fun year for this podcast. I hope you will join me on the exciting journey. This is what this is why I do this, man. This is why I do this. It's because this stuff gets me so fired up, so excited. I love it. In fact, let's get a little more fired up. I've got one more clip to play for you. Elon's presentation was about 22 minutes, I think, or so, if I remember from my recording correctly. I didn't want to play you the whole thing because not all of it you know, I want to make good use of your time. Uh, it should be on youtube.com slash Tesla if you do want to watch the entire thing. But here, I, I'm going to leave you with this. Elon Musk's closing words where he again mentions the Cybertruck and mentions how awesome next year's product launches are going to be. Is, uh, Francis, is there anything you want to say about the Cybertruck? Uh Cybertruck is going to be awesome. I mean, you see it here, you've seen it before, you see it over there. It's worth it's worth the wait, believe me. Um, yeah, yeah, well worth the wait. It's going to be awesome. I, I think this will be our magnum opus. And um, I mean, you can see some of the changes we've made already. There are no handles. Who needs handles? The car can tell that you're there, and it just knows that it needs to open. So. <laughs> so, we're, uh, uh, I think we're going to have an incredible Cybertruck product for you next year. Um, it's going to blow your minds. And, uh, yeah. So Yeah, there is no other truck. Yeah. Everything else fails in comparison. This is the only one you need. <laughs> so. Anyway, we can't we can't wait to build this here and uh, deliver them to you. Sorry for the delay. It's been a, it's been an intense couple of years, uh, uh, but we're gonna have this for you next year, and you're gonna, it's gonna be great. Um, and it's gonna be like just a whole one kick-ass product after another, uh, uh, starting next year, and then some cool stuff that we haven't even talked about. So let's see. Uh, thanks again for coming. I hope you're having a great time. Here at Tesla, we believe in, have, in throwing great parties. So <laughs> let's get this party started. And have a fantastic time tonight. I love you guys. Well, there you go. But there was more news out of this event, although it didn't come from Tesla. Let me explain. We have a new Model Y version. 
The one that was previously listed by the EPA is now confirmed. Shout out to my friend Tesla Raj for discovering this thing. They had Model Ys scattered around the event. You could sit in them. You could check them out. And so Raj was poking around one of them. And the new version is confirmed. It is a dual motor, all-wheel drive, standard range. Rated for 279 miles. He poked around in the menus. It said standard range. The uh, percentage rating on the, the battery packs you know, equated... You do the math and it equated to 279 miles for a full charge. And so there it was. It was just sitting there at the uh, at Giga Texas. And so I thought for sure Elon was going to announce it during the presentation later that night because because Raj was checking it out. They were doing the tours early in the day. And then, of course, the presentation from Elon was at night and, and then the party. And Elon didn't say a thing about it. So uh, I don't know what to make of that. But... Uh, it is real, you know. Not and the EPA is already a pretty good source, right? If the which I talked about a few episodes ago, but there it is. I mean, it's right. It was right there on the Giga Texas floor, 279 mile standard range dual motor Model Y. So since it's not officially announced yet, we don't know the price. Uh, but here's what I think might happen. There's a good chance this is going to happen. Uh, I hope it doesn't selfishly, but I hope it does for all of you. I mean, in the grand scheme, I hope what I'm about to say does happen. But since I'm recording on Thursday night, what I have often, many times in the past seen, is that Tesla will make big changes to the design studio, whether it's price changes, whether it's uh, something changing about the cars or the options. They seem to like to, to do them very quietly on Friday nights. And so I typically record late Friday night and I will often catch them when <laughs> right before I record, which usually works out well. But since I'm recording on Thursday night this week, I have to wonder if this standard range dual motor Model Y is going to show up on the design studio very quietly tomorrow night as I'm recording this or it will already be live for you as you hear this. So Feel free to check Tesla.com and go to the Model Y Design Studio to see, uh, but but if not, it's got to be imminent. I mean, it's got to happen pretty soon. Now, so let me just say, if it does happen, don't say I didn't warn you. That's really what it comes down to. But more seriously, though, I am really, whenever this comes out, whenever this is made available for order, I'm just so glad that Tesla has some kind of answer to these continuing price increases that, as I've said, are just unfortunately putting Teslas out of reach for more and more people. In fact, I almost wonder, not almost, I do, I wonder when the decision was made to do this standard range dual motor Model Y, it is, was this decision made specifically in response to the rising materials costs that are making the Model Y more and more expensive? Tesla's most popular car getting more and more expensive and out of reach for some folks, or it's certainly possible that it was just part of the plan all along, that it folds into the ramp up in production for Model Y at, at Giga Texas. But either way, it is great to have a more affordable version of Tesla's most popular car. And hopefully it does indeed go on sale any minute now, hopefully by the time you hear this. In other news this week, we now uh, have a date for Tesla's Q1 earnings call and shareholder letter. 
because we got Tesla's Q1 production and delivery numbers. I told you at the top of the show, I will have that for you on uh, episode 351, the earnings call. So that's coming up in just a couple weeks. And as for the production and delivery numbers for the now completed Q1, it's once again a new company record. In the first quarter, Tesla produced over 305,000 vehicles and delivered over 310,000, as they say, despite ongoing supply chain challenges and factory shutdowns. The breakdown, if you're curious, Model S and X, 14,724 delivered, that's S and X combined. 3 and Y combined, 295,324 totaling, 310,048 delivered vehicles. Now, if you are curious what Tesla meant by factory shutdowns there, it is referring to Giga Shanghai, where unfortunately the factory was closed for several days after a mandatory COVID lockdown following a, a recent outbreak there in Shanghai. So I just hope that everybody at Tesla China, all those employees, all those families are making it through that safe and sound and they're okay. Second, let's talk about these numbers. Another record quarter, which at this point makes me sound like a broken record because for many, many quarters over the years of doing this podcast, remember I started doing this podcast in 2015, summer of 2015. And for quite a while, the broken record I used to sound like would say not profitable, but they didn't lose too much money. That was kind of the wrap every single quarter for years. And the company now has put that pretty firmly to bed, probably forever. Now it's a question not of profitability or not profitability, but of simply how much profitability each quarter. That part we're going to find out in a couple weeks when that earnings call comes around. But for now, we know we have 310,000 plus deliveries, which bests last quarter, Q4 2021, by less than 1%. It was 308,600, again, compared to 310.048 for Q1. So the slimmest of margins, but they still beat it. And again, something to keep in mind, Q1 is traditionally the slowest quarter in not just Tesla's year, but just about any other car maker's year as well, you know, following the holidays. So maybe that's going to be out the window, though, in 2022 because of this situation we find ourselves in globally and across the industry where new car demand so greatly outpaces new car supply. But nevertheless, another record quarter is still great news. Now, you know, you know, you can take it to the bank right now that barring something awful, like an extended COVID shutdown at one of the factories or, uh, or any kind of shutdown, there is a, a rumor going around that uh, Giga Berlin might have to shut down for some time if Germany uh, stops accepting gas from Russia. So that could force, that has been uh, rumored that that could happen. But barring any extended factory shutdowns at any of the plants, uh, or a work stoppage due to parts shortage, for instance, because that's happened from time to time as well. But we know that Q2 should beat Q1 probably pretty handily, certainly by way more than the less than 1% margin that Q1 
just edged out Q4. And the reason for that, of course, is because of the not one, but two new factories that are now open for business here in early Q2. I mean, yes, technically Berlin did count a few deliveries towards the Q1 number, but it was almost literally just a few. Texas will now start contributing to the Q2 total as it has started doing its first deliveries out of that plant. Uh, and Berlin has begun its production ramp up as well. So combined with Shanghai, hopefully they're able to get back up and running smoothly very soon, and Fremont humming along, I'm gonna go ahead and make my prediction. I don't often do this uh, for quarterly earnings, or for quarterly production, pardon me, but just because it's interesting, it's extra interesting this time around with these two new factories coming on board, coming online, I'm gonna say 340,000 total deliveries for Q2. Mark me down right now, bookmark this podcast, we'll see how close I get uh, in about, you know, a quarter, you know, uh, yeah, roughly a quarter from now, about 11 weeks from now. Uh, getting my prediction in super early, <laughs> beating the crowds. Now, as for the mix of cars in Q1, it's certainly no surprise that it's mostly three and Y. I mean, that's, that's the way the company is built at this point. That is a, it's a 95 to five percentage split between the three and the Y and the S and the X. I mean, that's about as lopsided as it can possibly get. And it's only going to continue to get more lopsided because of Berlin and Texas building nothing but the Model Y for right now. So it's just going to it's just going to emphasize the 3 and the Y side even more, leaving uh, by a percentage basis fewer and fewer uh, S's and X's relative to the the total number of deliveries. But uh, we also know that the Model X probably of the deliveries that there there were S and X combined, maybe one percent of the total overall deliveries, the three hundred plus thousand, three hundred ten thousand, maybe one percent were Model Xs because we know that the Model X continues to have some difficulty moving through its production ramp. Now, if we just look at the S and the X, almost fifteen thousand combined. My bet would be that at least ten thousand of those were S's, maybe even something closer to 12,000. I mean, it's a bummer that Tesla doesn't break down the numbers for each specific car. I mean, when the Cybertruck, Semi, and Roadster do come around next year, are those gonna be individually reported or are they gonna be lumped into their own separate category? I mean, the Semi and the Roadster are low volume, but the Cybertruck is a, you know, when it ramps up, it will be a, a rather high volume vehicle. So. Are they going to lump that in with the three and the Y? Is it going to be the high volume vehicles and then the low volume vehicles lumped together? I hope not. I hope we get as much granularity in these numbers as possible. But I want to wrap this part of the show up by just saying in all sincerity, congratulations to everybody at Tesla who worked hard once again to make this record quarter happen. And, and you know, on that note, I personally, as somebody that just, keeps an eye on the community at all times. So I'm not saying that there wasn't anything out there, but I didn't read or hear anything about an end of quarter crunch, as always used to be the case at the end of any quarter. So my hope is that all of you Tesla employees listening to this 
who work in various disciplines of the company were able to have a normal work week to end the quarter and not a week where you had to work super late and help prep and deliver cars you know, as, as an all-hands-on-deck thing. I mean, Elon had said that he wanted to get the company away from that mentality. So, again, it's just anecdotal for now from you know what I'm reading or not reading in the community about, about a crunch situation. But hopefully Elon's uh, words there are actually proving to be reality. I really hope so, because just for the, you know, for the health and well-being of all the employees, it's, it's no fun to crunch, no matter what your industry is. On a related note, I got to crowbar in some bad news here. There wasn't really a good part of the show to put this in, but here goes. We have yet another price increase this week, though this one is only for the long range and performance Model 3s. It does not affect the Y, nothing on the S or the X. It is a $1,500 bump for the long range and a $1,000 increase on the performance Model 3, which means the long range Model 3 now starts at $56,000. The performance Model 3 starts at $63,000. And sadly, again, this is likely to continue. This is probably not the last price increase on a Tesla in the year 2022. All right, let's move on, uh, get back to more fun stuff. Tesla has patented a new heating and cooling methodology for a car's seats. Thank you to Tesla Roddy who wrote this up and they said, in the patent titled Vehicle Seat with Integrated Temperature Control System, Tesla lists the many ways current seat temperature controls are insufficient. Quote from the patent, Attempts to provide air ventilation through the seat foam are typically insufficient to remove excess heat and provide a comfortable environment for the occupant. Further, conventional heating systems are bulky, occupy space in the seat, which typically requires the seat to be thicker, and are inefficient in heating the seat, as the heat typically must travel through multiple layers and heats uh, and heat regions of the seat. Uh, excuse me, and heats regions of the seat that the occupant does not contact. Hence, there is a need for an improved temperature control system for vehicle seats, Tesla wrote. Tesla's solution is to create a temperature control system that pumps fluid throughout a vehicle seat. According to Tesla, its new temperature control system is made of different layers of materials, including a fluid pump and a heating component, allowing it to actively cool and heat seats in the vehicle. The new system is expected to decrease the costs of making the vehicle and minimize noise in the cabin while also using the vehicle's power efficiently, much like Tesla's heat pump when it first appeared in the Model Y. Thank you, Tesla Roddy. Well, uh, this does not come as a surprise to me now that I hear it all spelled out because after all, the octovalve heat pump has proven to be such a big upgrade for the cars. And we've heard Elon Musk talk up a heat pump HVAC system for use in residential homes as well. He's mentioned that a few times. So this is another application of that, right? Presumably a miniaturized version of it. I mean, this is the kind of thing that since the patent is just coming along, you might see it in something like the Roadster first, right? The Halo car where it's gonna cost a lot to do something like this with the seats at first. And then in time, it will get cheaper. 
and then probably move down to the rest of the fleet later, presuming that is that this patent makes it from paper to reality because a lot of patents don't, but knowing Tesla and their never-ending quest for efficiency of any and all kinds, be it material, aerodynamic, financial, etc., I would be willing to bet that this patent is going to make it into some or all of Tesla's vehicle lineup. And by the way, forget the efficiencies, the cost, and all of the business stuff. If Tesla can come up with a seat that does a better job of heating and cooling, sign me up. I have never had a cooled seat in any car that I've ever owned, but I have tried the one in the Model S Plaid, and it's pretty nice. So if there's a better version of that that Tesla's working on, I would certainly love to have it available to me on my next car someday. That would be an absolutely lovely and welcome thing. Next this week, you've heard of renting a car and you've heard of leasing a car, but what about something in between? Kite, spelled in the typical Silicon Valley way of not the regular word, but something that's SEO friendly, that's why they do it, K-Y-T-E, a company that delivers rentable cars straight to your door. That's what Kite is all about. They have announced the launch of their new Tesla subscription product. Again, Tesla Roddy with a tip of the cap. That's where I saw this story. And Tesla Roddy writes, available in San Francisco and Manhattan and Brooklyn and Jersey City, New Jersey. On April 15th, the Model 3's long-range all-wheel drive trim will be available for customers to rent monthly for as little as $995. The Model 3 fleet will soon make its way to all 14 of Kite's current markets. Prices start again, $995 for the Model 3, which will get a customer one month with the all-electric sedan. Three-month terms cost $1,350 per month and six months for $1,125 per month. Each rental term price includes maintenance, insurance, registration, and roadside assistance. The advantage of the subscription service is the Tesla experience without the hassles of ownership and the long-term commitment, so says Kite. Quote, Kite's offering will allow customers to reap all the benefits while avoiding the challenges. No maintenance and no lock-in. What's more, for those that come to love the performance of their Tesla, Kite provides the option to extend subscriptions flexibly at any time, end quote. Well, like the Model Y story with Hertz that I talked about last week, I think this service from Kite could be really helpful for the EV curious out there, the people who are kind of sitting on the fence, not sure whether or not they want to commit their time and their transportation trust to an electric car. So this is a way to live with a Tesla, not just like rent it for a day, to live with it uh, for a short, but not too short amount of time. And then you see how it fits in your life. And odds are, as all of us owners, Tesla owners can attest, you're going to find that it fits your life just fine. And you'll probably throw down an order for a Tesla of your own. So really, I'll tell you, if I can be really bullish about this, and I feel justified in doing so, given how many people order a Tesla after test driving one. Butts in seats puts more Teslas on the streets. That's the, that's the common phrase. It's true. 
I think this could end up being basically free advertising for Tesla in kind of a roundabout way. I mean, eventually, right? Eventually, because for now, it's only available in two markets. Granted, they're two big markets, but it, the fact is that means that this service for the time being at its initial launch is inaccessible to a high 90s percentage of people listening to this podcast. Although I did look it up in my backend metrics for this podcast, and perhaps not coincidentally, the San Francisco Bay Area and New York City, not LA, as I would have guessed, but the San Francisco Bay Area and New York City are my two biggest quote-unquote markets in terms of listeners. That's where I have the the largest number of listeners in, a, in an area. So, you know, I guess Kite might be on to something here. Now, speaking of Hertz, they are adding more cars to their EV fleet, but just not Teslas this time. They signed a deal with Polestar to buy up to 65,000 Polestar 2s over the course of five years, which adds up to, you know, 13,000 per year. And I think that's awesome. I know that's not a Tesla thing, and this is a Tesla podcast, but I've been seeing more and more of the Polestar 2s around my area here, and I like the look of them. Uh, I, I've heard good things, and what I would do for me, I, I would rent one through Hertz if, if and when, you know, I get the opportunity if I'm somewhere where I need a car because, A, I'd rather have an electric than a gas car, and B, it'd be fun to experience another company's EV. I've actually, believe it or not, uh, I mean, not that it matters. I mean, it's a Tesla podcast. I've actually never driven any, I've actually never even ridden in any other non-Tesla EV. I've never been in a Bolt. I've never been in a Leaf. Uh, Polestar, I mean, you know, whatever. I've, I've actually not been in, let alone driven, any of them. So this, I would totally jump on this with Hertz. I mean, I'll be honest, I would probably try to rent a Model 3 first because I know that and I love it and I could just jump right in if I'm traveling somewhere and I know exactly what to do and I'd have the supercharger network available to me. But if the Model 3 was sold out, if there weren't any available for rent and the Polestar was there, I would absolutely take the Polestar and and enjoy trying that thing out. So keep that in mind as, uh, as you travel and you know you're going if you're looking for a car to rent Hertz now has Model 3s, Model Ys and the Polestar 2 as well. Good stuff Hertz. Uh let's see next this week pulling back as I like to do from time to time to a 10,000 foot high view. Some of us drive Teslas because we think they're beautiful looking cars. Some of us drive them for the tech. Some of us drive them for the safety and others for the environmental side of it, the lack of CO2 emissions, and some of us for a combination of, the, of, of those reasons. Well, I thought I would pass this along because it should just make you feel good. The American Lung Association has released a report specifically zeroing in on the cleaner air side of driving an EV. In their new report, they write, quote, Transitioning to zero emission transportation and electricity will greatly reduce pollutants that harm health today and threaten a healthier future. By 2050, it is estimated that we will collectively save $1.2 trillion with a T, a Tesla T trillion, in public health benefits. 
achieve by switching to EVs. Achieving these major benefits to our health and climate will require dedicated and sustained leadership and investment at all levels of government and will require public education and engagement to ensure the transition to electric vehicles provides clean air for all communities. Accelerating the shift to zero emission transportation and non-combustion electricity generation will generate major reductions in harmful pollutants. Zeroing in on Healthy Air, the name of their program, envisions widespread transitions to zero emission transportation and non-combustion electricity generation over the coming decades, including 100% sales of zero emission passenger cars by 2035 and of heavy duty trucks by 2040 and shifting to non-combustion electricity generation. Boy, can we just call that renewable electricity, please? That is a much, much easier way to say that. By 2035, strong investments and policies at the local, state, and federal levels are needed to reduce harmful pollution and, and ensure all communities stand to experience cleaner air. They suggest that 110,000 lives will be saved due to less pollution. And uh, and I, this one this one comes uh, this one means something to me because I've been a lifelong asthmatic. 2.7 million asthma attacks would be avoided over that time uh, in switching to an all-electric future. And, and you know, I, I wanted to read this to you because this is Tesla's mission right here, accelerating the transition to sustainable energy. This is just another angle to look at it from. This isn't just, I mean, Tesla looks at it from, I mean, not that they're not looking up at it from the environmental, the literal like quality of the air, but Tesla is just thinking about they're not necessarily thinking the downstream part. They're just, they know they want to get gas cars, fossil fuel emissions off the road. And this is what will happen. These kinds of positive public health benefits. So good stuff right there. All right. That's everything I've got for you in the world of Tesla news. But I've also got some excellent phone calls from you guys all queued up and ready to go in the Ride the Lightning hotline. This very busy episode of Ride the Lightning continues right after this. I've got time for a few calls in the Ride the Lightning hotline on this long episode this week. But give me a call anytime. If you want to be part of the podcast, I would love to hear from you. You can call in in one of two easy ways. Either use your smartphone's built-in voice recording software, record your question. Please try to keep it to 90 seconds or less so that I can get to as many people each week as possible. And then email that file to me at teslapodcast at gmail.com. Alternatively, you can take that same 90 second or less question and just call and leave a message on the Ride the Lightning hotline. Couldn't be easier. It's a toll-free number. And the number is 1-888-989-8752. Again, that's 1-888-989-TSLA. And if you know someone special with an upcoming birthday, anniversary, graduation, or some other special occasion, you can give them a unique gift of recorded voices from friends and family telling them why they're special. The recordings can be podcasted or put onto a keepsake Visit lifeonrecord.com to learn more. Let's kick it off with someone who sadly did not identify himself, but I will see if I can help him out anyway. Hi, Ryan. Love the podcast. I've been listening since the Model 3 reveal event. Um, I have a question about whether to buy a Tesla Model 3 long range now or wait another year. Um, 
ideally I would love to get the Model Y, but the price hikes have made me think otherwise because I would love to have a hatchback. But I also love the Model 3, and that's the car I originally wanted. And I'm debating about either getting the vehicle now um, or I could wait another year and maybe save up more. Uh, I currently have a Honda ICE vehicle, and I love it. But with these gas prices, I'm thinking about getting a, a finally pulling a trigger on a Tesla. But I'm I'm either debating to get the car now and maybe hold off on getting some accessories right away, like, like paint protection film and ceramic coating, um, getting that maybe a few months after getting the car. Or maybe I just wait till next year, and if there's no more price hikes, I can save up to be able to do the paint protection film with ceramic coating and getting other accessories as soon as I take delivery of the vehicle so that the paint is better protected and whatnot. Um, I'm debating on what to do. I know the price can go up again, so that's why I'm leaning towards just ordering the vehicle and getting it this year, but I'm not 100% sure what to do. Um, just thought I'd like to ask your opinion and maybe get the opinion of other um, listeners on the show. Um, love your podcast. Thank you so much for everything that you do and have a good rest of your day. Thank you. When to buy is always such a tough question in the world of Tesla because as you know, the cars don't really adhere to traditional model years. I mean, they kind of do, but for all intents and purposes, they don't. If I were you, I would go ahead and place the order now. And here's why. First, as you heard earlier in the podcast, the price of the Model 3 that you are currently shopping for went up between the time that you called in and the time that I recorded this on the podcast. And as I said earlier, we probably haven't seen the last of the price increases. If Tesla ups the price again and again, they, they probably will, that's gonna eat into your detailing budget that you're trying to, trying to plan for as well. Second, your Honda is gonna cost you a lot in gas over the next year if you wait, plus whatever maintenance might come up on that car as well. I don't know what, you know, could maybe nothing would happen to it. Maybe you'd have some big job, I mean, or something in between, just oil changes, what have you, but that's something to factor in as well. So you could have a higher price on the Tesla and higher fuel costs in the meantime by waiting. So bear that in mind. And then I would say third, uh, since Tesla just rolled out the MCU3 upgrade to the entire fleet, you're probably, and I'm going to knock on wood here, but you're probably uh, not going to miss any significant new features by ordering now. Now, there is a big old asterisk hanging off of my word of probably there because you just never know with Tesla, but odds are in your favor that you would not miss any anything big. So if I were you, I would order now, lock in that price before it goes up anymore, and you can definitely wait on the ceramic coating and maybe if you do have the budget, you could have a detailer do paint protection film on just the front section of the car while you save up your, your detailing budget for more. That way you would have the highest risk, highest impact areas of the car the, uh, protected from you know little pebbles and things as, as you drive down the road. But even if your detailing budget would be zero in the in the early part of your, your car ownership, your Tesla ownership, I would still order now. So good luck. And by the way, thank you so much for being such a loyal listener over these past six years. I really do appreciate that. Next up is Fred from Maine with a warning for listeners. 
Hey, Ryan, this is Fred from the wilds of Maine, a long-time listener. Uh, I'm the uh, happy owner of a 2018 Model S, and uh, I have one word of warning for your listeners. Uh, I've had only two problems with the car since I had it. Both were 12-volt batteries that were flaky and had to be replaced under warranty. It's a known problem that uh, Tesla's had. Uh, and I just got hit with another little minor problem. Only this time, uh, it turns out that I found out to my chagrin that it was 10 days after the uh, four-year warranty had expired. Uh, the right front headlight, the top strip, died, which is another known Tesla problem. And whereas I've had uh, other manufacturers with cars that have been slightly out of warranty, and Tesla uh, and the other manufacturers honored the warranty and fixed the problems without saying anything, Tesla would not. So make sure the readers are well aware of their expiration dates. But the other reason I called was that you uh, had a listener last week that was complaining about a passenger in the back seat, um, and uh, I guess the passenger felt squished by the driver's seat position. Why doesn't the driver just set up a, a new driver, call it uh, back seat or something like that, where he can keep all of his other settings but just adjust the seat so that the passenger is comfortable behind him and so is he, and uh, he can uh, just change back to his regular uh, name when he's not uh, doesn't have a passenger. All right, keep up the good work and talk to you soon. Bye. Fred, thank you very much for your call. I appreciate you passing along that word of warning to everybody. I've got my warranty expiration top of mind right now, too, as I'm coming up on my four-year anniversary of ownership and thus the end of my warranty. I've got just over three months left. And you make a good suggestion, by the way, for John from Indiana, who wanted to disable easy entry while his tall teenage sons were riding in the backseat behind him. I still would like to see Tesla make that smoother by automatically disabling it if a passenger is detected in that seat. But in the meantime, uh, your life hack there works great too. A duplicate profile that's got all the settings the same with the exception of easy entry being disabled. Good stuff there. Thank you again, Fred. Uh, two more calls real quick. Let me go to Damon from Northbrook, Illinois. Hey, Ryan. Damon out of Northbrook, Illinois here been listening to some of your more recent episodes where you've been talking about how far Tesla's come over the years. And with regards to the Model S, it's the perfect example. It's a way better car than it was. But interestingly, you've been talking about the Model 3 Standard Range Plus. And in my eyes, it's a much more compromised car than you might think. We had a 2019 model that had a 5.3 second zero to 60, and the current car is 5.8. The current car is about 300 pounds more due to the iron batteries, which means less tire uh, life and um, lower handling capabilities. Uh, supercharging happens slower with this technology, and the cold weather performance is a lot worse as well. You don't get as much range from the battery when it gets cold. Um, and then LFP technology requires you to charge it up to 100% at least once a week, according to Tesla. And for urban dwellers, that's going to be a lot harder if they don't have overnight street parking charging or anything like that. And at $5,000 more than what we paid in 2019, I'm not sure the 20 to 30 miles more range and the power 
trunk are really worth all those other compromises. LFP technology is great for batteries. It's going to allow Tesla to make a lot more and at a lower environmental impact, but they have to be careful here not to dilute their product with this technology. So anyhow, that's my thoughts. Wanted to share them with you and hear yours. All right. Thanks and take care. Bye. Damon, fair points all around here. I still think the range is critical though, both the overall range, but also the usable daily range advantage that those new LFP versions get by virtue of the nature of LFP. For me, that trumps the acceleration at the, when you're talking about like the, the bottom end of the, of the product line, the, the range is king more so, much more so than the performance. And I think that that kind of tilts as you move up the the production line. You know, it's probably too early to have any data on whether or not the LFP cars suffer noticeably less tire life than the standard range pluses due to the weight difference. But, you know, as for the price increases, yeah, I mean, there's there's no arguing that. I mean, every Tesla from a year or two ago looks like a better value because of the price increases across the board. But that's also an industry-wide thing I mean, it's, it's just crazy out there for everybody. But thank you so much, as always, Damon, for your excellent calls. And one more call for this week. Again, keep your calls coming for the next couple episodes. But Kenny from Newport News, who I always love hearing from, haven't heard from him in quite some time. Kenny is our uh, last caller for this week. Take us home, Kenny. Hey, Ryan, what's going on? It's Kenny calling in from Newport News. Hey, I know it's been a little while, man. I have been super busy, but... Uh into the podcast and came across John in episode uh, 347 who called about uh, riding in a Tesla every year for his birthday. Man, I thought that was such a great idea. And John, I just wanted to tell you, man, keep it up, buddy. Keep it up. And I, I took a picture of a uh, Model S and printed it out and left it on my bulkhead at work for the longest time. And uh, ultimately what I did was I put a date on it. And, it, man, I did everything I could to try to get it by that date. And sure enough, it caused me to have to go and even change my career path and change my job. And it has all been for the better. You know, just having a goal to shoot for like that um, made me have something I could envision in my mind to try to shoot for. And it worked. Uh, I've had my Model Y now since December. And, man, I've been loving this thing. I mean, I've wanted one for so long, six years. You know, I've been listening to the podcast, been watching Tesla from afar, um, and it has been exactly what I thought it would be and more. So hang in there, John. There's a lot of other people I know that are out there just like you, and once you get there, I'm telling you, buddy, it is worth it. All right. Y'all take care. Thank you very much for sending those words of encouragement and support along to Josh and anyone else listening who might be in a similar position. I have lived it too, and I agree with what you said about the weight being worth it. Josh, if you're out there, stay focused on your goal and you will get there. Take it from me, take it from Kenny. Thanks to everybody who took the time to call in. Again, keep those calls coming, and I will uh, get to more of your calls in the coming episodes. But for now... Quick little pause, and I'll come back with your pro tip of the week and a little bit more podcast right after this. I got my first new FSD beta build in a while, version 10.11.2, 
And I have to say, uh, there are definitely some noticeable improvements. I would say the thing that jumped out at me most, I've only driven it one day. It's, I've got a pretty small sample size on this one so far. But the left turns are smoother. It really, like, I look like a human driver making them. Uh, and it even, it peaks out a little bit on a, on a, a green light where you have to just wait for, for the right of way to, to clear. I'd like it to see it go out a little farther uh, so that the person behind me might be able to go when the light turns yellow. But it's it didn't used to go out at all. So it's making progress. The lefts are getting more sort of organic, for lack of a better term. And I am eager to put in more time with it. So progress marches onward, and I love to see it. Pro tip of the week comes from Jared in Seattle, who I had the pleasure of meeting today. He was in town on business, reached out. We met up for lunch at In-N-Out Burger, and it was so wonderful to meet Jared face-to-face. -face. And he's got a pro tip that he'd actually sent in a few weeks ago. So here's Jared. Hi, Ryan and Ride the Lightning audience. I hope everybody is doing well. This is Jared from Seattle calling. Ryan, first, thank you for all that you do. Your podcast continues to be awesome and informative, and I'm so glad to hear that Daisy is doing so well. Um, I'm calling with a pro tip. I found that my phone UI, when I'm in a Bluetooth phone call in my Model Y, the phone UI sometimes only shows the top row of numbers, one, two, three, and none of the other digits. Um, I called the service team to make a service appointment, and they had me soft reset the um, MCU and, and basically the software of the car, and that temporarily fixed it, but the issue came back. What I've found since, though, is that if I turn on my turn signal with the rear view side cameras on, uh, that autopilot setting on when the uh, blinker is on, the signal's on for a turn, that the left turn signal will cover the UI and force a UI refresh instantly. And then when you disable the signal, the rest of the numbers are there. So that's sort of a hacky uh, temporary fix until Tesla can fix this more completely. Uh, hopefully there's a Tesla employee listening that can look into this. I also let my service team know. Anyway, hope this pro tip helps those that are experiencing this issue. User turn signal and the rest of your Bluetooth numbers will come back. Have a great day. Bye. That is an excellent hack, Jared. And indeed, hopefully Tesla is now aware of this if they weren't already, and it'll be fixed fairly soon. Thank you very much. And if anybody else out there has a pro tip of the week, please send it in the same way that you send in the regular Ride the Lightning hotline calls. And I'll play uh, one awesome pro tip every week as I've been doing for, gosh, the, the pro tip of the week segment must be, it's gotta be at least a few years old now. If the podcast is coming up on the seventh anniversary, this came up, yeah, I don't remember when it started, but I, I love this segment and I hope you guys enjoy it too. I have learned a lot of the, from the pro tips of the week over the course of these years. Uh, let me mention a few friends of the podcast before I go, starting with abstractocean.com. So many wonderful aftermarket Tesla accessories. Where to begin? Well, begin by going to abstractocean.com. Browse by whichever Tesla you own, S, X, 3, or Y, and see what they've got. You know, there's the tempered glass screen protectors for that center screen that are all custom, brilliantly made, gorilla glass, all kinds of, it's just, it's awesome. So you got stuff like that. You've got all kinds of lighting kits, lighting upgrades for both the interior and exterior of the car. 
Uh, just so many different products. Take a look, abstractocean.com. Use the coupon code RTLPODCAST at checkout to get 15% off of your first order. That's RTLPODCAST, all one word. The Snap Plate, available also for all four Tesla vehicles currently in production. The front license plate bracket that snaps on and off in seconds without sticking to your car using automotive adhesive, which is what your default front license plate holder that Tesla gives you will do. So grab a snap plate instead from everyamp.com slash RTL. That's everyamp.com slash RTL. Again, for all four Teslas, check it out. How about budget safe solar? Every Tesla owner has a good idea of the exact electricity costs of their car, but that's for today. What about the future when the grid rates go up, which has been uh, happening here and <laughs> don't, don't, I could probably do a whole show on PG&E and the, the uh, what, <laughs> forget it. I'm just gonna move on. I won't talk anymore about PG&E. The fires they caused and the, uh, let's move on. Anyway, solar's really good because then you don't have to deal with <laughs> your utility provider, be it PG&E or someone else. So uh, what, I'm, what I'm seriously trying to say is cost certainty with solar. That's what you're going to get, cost certainty. If you have thought about getting solar installed, obviously it's also fully renewable, so you'd be driving on sunshine with your Tesla. So if you have thought about getting Tesla, uh, getting solar installed at your home or office for your Tesla and the rest of your household electricity needs... Uh, contact Budget Safe Solar. They're a friend of the show. The website, budgetsafesolar.com. Capping tomorrow's energy costs today. Uh, the referral code, if you do end up proceeding with an order, don't forget the referral code, please. RTL, very simple referral code there. And hey, if you're considering entering the growing field of solar yourself, they would love to talk to you about that too. So again, budgetsafesolar.com. Uh, Immaculate Reflections. If you're going to be in the San Francisco Bay Area with your vehicle, take it to Immaculate Reflections because it's going to leave much prettier than it came in. Uh, and that's, I don't care how pretty it is when it comes in. Immaculate Reflections will have it looking even better. Uh, my car, as I've said a million times, I think my car looks better than new, even after four years, because it has been so well cared for uh, with the big help from Immaculate Reflections. You know, the paint protection film, I've told you the stories of how it saved my paint several times. Uh, the ceramic coating is so nice because you don't have to wax the car, the water just beads right off. And the paint correction is what helped make it look better than new. So if you're interested in any of those professional detailing services, get in touch, book in with Jeff, the owner, at his website, which is irdetailing.com. Mention that you're a Ride the Lightning listener and there is a nice little discount waiting for you. Thank you to Jeff for offering that. And again, irdetailing.com. Get your one-stop dash cam and sentry mode setups at puretesla.com slash RTL. 49 bucks for the 128 gigabyte plug and play micro SD based package there. Uh, it's designed for the constant reading and writing that the dash cam and sentry mode do. I've got one in my car. It comes fully formatted, ready to go out of the package, ships free anywhere in the U.S., works with Mac or PC. They'll ship anywhere worldwide if you're not in the U.S. Modest fee, of course, for uh, 
for international shipping, but free shipping anywhere in the US. So check it out, puretesla.com slash RTL. And then Jada, don't forget about Jada. They've still got a wonderful line of Tesla products that are uh, largely all centered around the center console. There's the USB hub console that is like an all-in-one, it's AirPod charger, Apple Watch charger, storage organizer, and USB hub, all-in-one product. That's very cool. There's also the Jada Tray, which is a center console organizer. Drop-in, no tools need. Actually, really none of their stuff requires tools, which is pretty nice. It's always always a plus. Uh, I've got their wireless charging pad in my 2018 Model 3. If you have a newer 3 or the Y, you've already got a wireless charging pad built into your car. But if you've got an older Model 3 like me, I very seriously highly recommend the Jada wireless charging pad. If you want to buy any of that stuff, please go to getjada.com slash ref slash eight. That's my referral link. I humbly ask you to use that. And in return, I offer a coupon code for a discount. And that code is RTL. That'll about do it here. I guess let me mention the Patreon real quick. As I hope this episode illustrates particularly since uh, I had to record it literally right after the Giga Texas event, the live stream, (laughs) so that I could get on a plane first thing Friday morning. Uh, I put a lot of heart and soul and uh, research and love, and hopefully professionalism too, into this podcast. And my hope is that at some point, I will earn your support on Patreon. Patreon is a wonderful platform that is used to support the creators you love. Podcasters, artists, musicians, writers, etc., etc. I happen to be on here as a podcast. But you can find my Patreon page at patreon.com slash teslapodcast. Patreon is spelled P-A-T-R-E-O-N. The support tiers start at just five bucks a month, uh, or you could do the annual uh, pledge and just pledge a, a yearly amount. You'll get a 5% discount if you do that. And even at the $5 tier, you get something in return, something extra, and that is early access to the each week's episode. Now, in this episode's case, it would mean you'd have it first thing Friday morning rather than having to wait for the usual publish time on Sunday morning. And uh, the, the little perks and bonuses go up from there. You know, like the, the maximum plaid that I'm going to read the, the folks uh, off of on that. They get the shout out, obviously, every week. They get the early access. They also get the monthly bonus episode. And they get the invitation to the monthly Zoom hangout. So I just try to have cool perks and, and things that I hope you'll enjoy at each uh, support tier. And they all stack. So the higher you go, you get all the stuff. Again, the the site there is patreon.com slash teslapodcast. And uh, speaking of those wonderful supporters, the Plaid Maximum Plaid and Roadster in Space Tier folks get their names shouted out each week. Let me start with the Plaid crew. A hello and thank you to George Cassiopo, David Brander, Logan Willis, Jason Chalukas, Tim Hyde, Peter Chalet, Eric Randolph, David Nondahl, Dory and Steve Guberman, Jeremy, the Tesla owners of Taiwan, Ron Lee, Charlie Gillespie, David Perella, Sunil Joseph, Dennis Peak, Jeff Angwin, Chase Cabanillas, the Lydia family, Aaron Altschul, Jared Brown, Jerome Strack, Jamie Dalton. 
Noel and Lucy Murphy, the Tesla owners East Bay Club, Ryan Natchett, Mike and Barbara from Louisville, David J. Howes, Travis Krenzel, Matt Nixon, the Tesla Owners Club of Wisconsin, Jonathan Zelezny, Rick Dean, not Elon Musk, T. Kirk Lowry, Peter, and the Bear Boys of Colorado. Meanwhile, a thank you as well to the Maximum Plaid backers. They are Jonathan Wales, Cameron Clark, Daniel Grummer, Seth Capello, Nick and Tony, John Schmidt, the Galpin family, Ryan from Las Vegas, Darren Nickel, Kaz Barnes, Ulrich Lassa, Brett Libano, Patrick Wisniewski, Gil Cabrera, Hay Watley, Eric Brown, Mark Eversole, Todd Badger, Joe Edgel, Kevin Yank, the Tesla Owners Club of San Joaquin Valley, Michael Williams, Will Stedman, Maitsuaru, Derek Nesselrote, Justin Perez, Jeremy Harris, Chris Beach, Tom Mills, Alex Brem, Tyler Smith, Corey O'Donnell, Matthew Graham Droneberger, Scott Gillis, Aaron Huxley, John Cody, Aaron, Sonar Tech 77, Andre Kent, Joel Sapp, Kim Bay, Paul Casarino, Richard Corley, Chris Osborne, and Zach Schwartz. Finally, a thanks to the Roadster and Space Tier backers who, on top of everything else, get a monthly one-on-one Zoom hangout with me. I have fun with those. Thank you very much for the support of Pete White, Lyle Austin, Steve Radspinner, Fernando Cordero, Lawton from Chicago, Sean Neidig, Scooter Ward, Neil Weaver, Jackson Wallace, Crafty Geek, Richard Stokes, Rolf and Jennifer Evers, Howard Anthony Smith, Victoria Iacovetto, and Tesla Hitchhiker 42. And with that, I've got to get to bed. I have an early flight tomorrow. It's almost midnight. It's 11.56 p.m. as I wrap this up uh, on what was a strangely hot San Francisco day. It is still hot in the house. We don't have air conditioning here in San Francisco. At least many of us don't because we typically don't need it. So I am going to stop melting and uh, upload this thing and then uh, skip on out of town. But I hope you enjoyed this week's episode. I hope you enjoy next week's show uh, while I'm away with uh, with Pete Gruber talking about restoring and, and caring for the original Roadsters. Uh, I had a wonderful time chatting with him, and I hope you enjoy listening to that. And then again, back I'll be back on the you know regular schedule for episode. Well, the schedule is the same. I'll be back with a regular episode for episode 351 with that earnings call. Should be a good earnings call show there. So stay tuned for all of that. Happy electric motoring, my friends. And I will see you next week. I mean, I think a Tesla is the most fun thing you could possibly buy ever. That's what it's meant to be. Our goal is to make... It's, it's not exactly a car. It's actually a thing to maximize enjoyment. It's maximum fun.